and welcome to the Hebrew Media episode. I'm your fine red mist girlfriend that tells you to do things. And I'm joined by Frank. Frank, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. I am just a nice guy who who's very friendly, comrade. I really like you, comrade. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. How uh how shiny are you? <laughs> very. Okay. It's hmm hmm okay. Then I don't know who you're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're talking about Armored Core Six, the latest installment of FromSoft, a studio that we have talked about uh, <laughs> quite a bit before with quite a bit of people at this point. And it's uh, yeah, it's 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 another FromSoft game. So we are going to talk about it because we have a bias. We do. We really do. Enjoy. <laughs> God forbid we like games that are video games. Uh, more about that in the other episode uh, that we're going to do this month. <laughs> anyway, so, oh. yeah. Uh, robots. Big. Big bots. Big robots. Big robots. How, how do we feel about the big robots? We like being a big robot. It's really good. <laughs> it is quite the self-aggrandizing endeavor, I would argue. Oh, yeah. In a very literal sense <laughs> <laughs> that we will get into. This is a very interesting game. Um this is probably going to be a bit. Uh, I don't like this word, but but for lack of a better one, this is going to be a more nerdy episode. We're <laughs> going to get into some like proper video game territory here. Um, at the same time, I would like to think there's something to be said about a broader sci-fi interpretation that's going on here. Oh yeah, and it's speculations as we always do. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's. Um, I do think there's something to be had here for everyone, but. I um I just, I just want to be honest, and I, I totally get it if you need to skip this one because <laughs> we are we are not going to hold back on the nerdy shit and how much we like this uh yeah <laughs> this game and it's very nerdy aspect. Oh yeah, as a lot of people do. I mean, I'm gonna come out and say it. Um, this game is my personal best, favorite game of 2023. Like, it's not even a competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for me, it is a competition, uh, but more about that the other episode. Oh yeah, um, it's <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be a year review episode, dear listener. But anyway, it's a uh, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. No, I would say that the other big game, the game that won all the things, yes. was uh, despite me me being very critical about that game. Stay tuned for that whenever Frank finishes that game. It's gonna be all um, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's it's it's a big game. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I, I would say, despite having a non-disclosed, undisclosed uh, amount of hours in the other game that we are never going to mention <laughs> and nobody gets to ask me about, uh, I, I would say that this game is also my game of the year. Uh, I really hate that it didn't get nominated for the game of the year. Same. But once again, more about that the other episode. Today, we're just going to focus and have fun with this game. I don't want to be pessimist about it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, I would like to start off with like, so what is what's your history with Big Robot, with Mac, with Mac stuff, with uh, w- hmm. what have you consumed within this very uh, loose borders, non permeable border having genre of Mecca, if you will, God, sometimes I... called by <laughs> Japanese creators. Yeah, I I think very little actually. Like I think. Um, cause I, I wasn't the most anime I, I had was like, um, Knights of the Zodiac, uh, 
But uh, like I, I was never into Gundam. I I didn't get into the <gasps> earlier Armored Course. Uh, so it was it was something I got closer to as like a sci-fi idea because always I've always been big on sci-fi. So I'm like, yeah, no, big robot, big robot fun. Uh, so that's basically how I am into it. It, it is in the specifics of feud I'm not very familiar with. But uh, in terms of like sci-fi broadly, I I am. Or I think as at least as a concept, I know that more. But uh, yeah, no, like I've I've only <laughs> that's that's a complex thingy. But um, it's only in fairly recent amount of years that I've gone into like Evangelion and such. But mm. yeah, it's it's more been because of the sci-fi, or I liked it before because sci-fi. Yeah, I, I will say, um, for me, I did watch some Gundam when I was younger, mm-hmm. mainly because it was on. Yeah. So it was on That's TV, fair. which is, you know, I'm I'm a little bit older. And even Frank, I would say, comes from a generation still that, like, sometimes you just had to watch the thing that was on TV. Exactly. That's uh, Yeah, it's horrifying. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, so many terrible live action shows that I've watched from Nickelodeon. Yes, precisely. My understanding of, uh, once again, mech and big robot uh, stuff originates from very <laughs> uh, scattered, there I say eclectic, um, <laughs> points of media. I, I will just very quickly go over those because I, I don't know. I just like to mention them. Um, once again, so I watched a little bit of Gundam, but I don't know which Gundam there was. <laughs> and in, in preparation for this episode, I was trying to figure that out. Because uh, you have Dutch Gundam, and uh, oh. <laughs> we will talk about Dutch Gundam. Oh no! <laughs> no, no. Uh, in Gundam, there is a Gundam that is Dutch. Oh, uh, have okay. you have you not seen the windmill Gundam, Frank? Oh my God! I am googling okay, it well, immediately. Yeah, we are going to stop this. <laughs> We're going to heartbreak the episode, and until Frank has seen Dutch Gundam. Oh no! <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> We also have Brazil Gundam. Oh no, I'm not quite sure. Oh god, let's let's find that too. The Dutch Gundam is worse. Oh, it's 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 terrible. It's Holland Gundam as well, which is like the wrong name, but okay. <laughs> um, in Holland is the region where the most windmills are, I believe. So fair enough, I guess. Shrug. Um, but once again, it's just a province. It's not a country. But that's not here there. Uh, the so I watched a little bit of Gundam. Uh. <laughs> I watched Metabots on Fox Kids. Oh, believe, wow. Which, I, I don't know if you know that. But it sounds vaguely good. familiar. It's not good. Um, there, I like this one guy because he has purple and a sword in his design. A, uh, a wrist blade. Uh, a, a pre-Assassin's Creed blade, if you will. Only on the other side of the wrist. Um, and he was essentially just a samurai, I believe, with a sweater here you know, there. Um... <laughs> And also independent individual. Everybody, it was like Pokemon, both with Max. It was very weird. Anyway, I don't have a clear memory of that, so let's not get into that. Um, it's fun to be Pokemon so bad. It's uh, <laughs> And then I, I do have a very fond memory of the Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. No, the Iron Giant's amazing. Yeah, I'm not a gun, but but I am, though. I have multiple guns, actually. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's fine. I get that's not the point of the movie. Um... It's uh oh hmm. 
So I, I found I need to go back to that one actually. I was planning to, but I haven't up to this point because it doesn't stream anywhere. Oh. But anyway, I found a workaround for that. Okay. But I will get into that. Um, probably not going to make an episode out of that. Don't worry, dear listener. But I, I will go back <laughs> to that one day. Uh, so that one, uh, I like Pacific Rim a little bit. Uh, a friend of the pod said, like, oh, you should do an episode on Pacific Rim. And I was like, I'm going to keep it real with you, Chief. I'm never going to do an episode <laughs> on somebody with a main character called Gypsy Danger. <laughs> yes. Um, I, once again, you can, you, can, you can discern that nobody cares about the Romani people by uh, just that movie being loved. Um, people say there was a second one of Pacific Rim, but I don't think that's true. I think that's a hoax. <laughs> Uh, I, I I surely don't remember it. <laughs> I I actually watched that movie. It's not I did too. It's yeah. worse. And oh, I, and it's... I in principle hate the first one because uh, we get several oh. different makes. They all die immediately, and you get that yeah. one, the boring one. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting how once once again I think and I say this about a lot of things, and I'm so sorry, dear listener. But it would have worked better as a limited series, um, like so we can build up those multiple nations a bit, and like a Chinese robot and a Russian one, and like you know, you had you could have had this narrative about like the world coming together against as a common threat, which is like a bit of a jaded sci-fi narrative, but nevertheless maybe one that we could have used, nevertheless. <laughs> but okay, um, moving on. <laughs> it's uh, I do like uh, I like the depictions of mechanized robots there because it's very slow and big it feels very impactful um and i thought that would be the only type of ro- big robot that i like mm-hmm. however this game clearly proved me wrong it did because you <laughs> you go fast gotta go fast um <laughs> it's uh, christ you go fast if you want to but um yeah so that was very interesting to have like gargantuan robots uh they're smaller than the specific rim robots, I would say, but quite a bit. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's it's uh, they go fast, um, and they're still quite huge. And their size is like something that a lot of video essays that I've watched like try to grasp a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and but the size of the mech is of course less interesting. The size of the world around it is more far more interesting. Exactly. And. But yeah, we will get into that. Uh, Armored Core is a, a less popular FromSoft game. It used to be the one of the larger breadwinners for FromSoft. Yeah, exactly. and then <laughs> and then Dark Souls came, and well, or so should I say, Demon Souls, um, and th- that changed everything. So that that's very. Uh, I know there are a bunch of older fans, like really old fans, because they're older than I am. So. <laughs> old they they were like oh i wish dark souls would like you know take a step back and we need to get armored core again and they did get armored core but this armored core is very different from the other armored cores in a bunch of ways i will touch upon a little bit if you're truly that interested in it you will probably already have seen like a uh (laughs) on it that where he talks about every single armored core and get already have a equally good idea about it as I have dear listener but you know <laughs> uh, we, we do have to like talk about it a little bit I think yeah so Armored Core is first off it's, it's a very protein series I would argue yeah there are very strong overlapping elements I would say still 
but it has changed quite a bit since its conception. Oh yeah, it's been rebooted multiple times. Yeah, and although they rebooted it, they never got rid of the number, so... No. (laughs) uh, (laughs) They reconceptualized it, I would say. Like, it's... um, You know, uh, so certain things work, and there are only a couple things that I think, oh, I would have liked this from the older games into into, uh, this current game. It's... So it is a very interesting addition to the uh, FromSoft platter, I would argue. It mm. is the most different game, um, with the structure being uh, Dark Souls 1, 2, 3. Uh, I'm going to leave out Demon Souls for a bit. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, and then having on the other side of that column, uh, the triplet column, uh, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring. Yeah. And these, despite Sekiro being the oddest one out... I would say it still fits within <sighs> there is still a cohesion with Dark Souls slash the other two uh, uh, what do we call them not spin-offs but like oh the uh... well the other standalones yeah and so I would still say there's there's <laughs> even if it's only thematically and somewhat aesthetically it's still <laughs> very uh fits within that uh, strain of thought, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and like, way of building and depicting. Armored Core is is quite different, I would say. It's a whole other gear, if not a whole other league. And in some ways, there are clear elements that is like, oh, that's FromSoft. That's clearly, like, a FromSoft thing. Uh, such as poor poor communication and like well you know a legacy feature uh whatever so that's that's like stuff like that um and uh, the we don't pull punches around here buddy type of attitude uh that fromsoft sometimes you know gets into and if you want to get like the most powerful or like you know utilize all the strengths at your disposal you are gonna have to uh slug your way through a, at best, suboptimal UI. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we are we are firmly within the category of FromSoft here, dear listener. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Is there a, what do you recognize in the FromSoft uh, sphere of influence? Well, I I think, and and we're going to talk about this, but narratively, it it is firmly a FromSoft game with a lot of departures. Mm. There's there's a lot of stuff that isn't in these other from software games. Uh, some stuff that you mentioned before we started recording, uh, in terms of the character work. <laughs> but it's again the the fragmented stories, the very broken bits and and, and notes and memories, uh, stuff that we discover very piecemeal. But in the larger structure of like how the game works on like a I don't know session to session. Or throughout playing the game, it's uh, it's closer to the uh, older Armored Cores, and like it's it's a mission-based game. Do a mission, you end the mission, you save, it's a bit of story, bit of stuff. Okay, next mission. And that's how the game works. Um, it's very different. Like it's not an open world. It's not anything of these these other stuffs. So we're talking about a game that functionally is different. And yet, there's. Uh, I think one of the things in terms of mechanics is that it's like it's a game that is interesting and fun to play. And like 
we'll get into more of that and why this game is so good. But similar to like Elden Ring, similar to like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, it's a game that which combat and engaging the enemy like that is fun and it's interesting. It's like you're involved in that in a fascinating way. And Armored Core is similar in that. It's like, okay, this is, it's not like, oh, you're passive or you're active. It's like, no, you're, you have to act and react and create opportunities and like you're not passively reacting to everything. And this one, I'd say even less so than even Elden Ring and others. Like you're actively creating opportunities, you're forcing situations and the, the adaptability that this game offers, again, similar to Elden Ring and the others, uh, save for Sekiro, uh, is wonderful to, to experience. I, I would describe this game in a very obnoxious way of um, this, is, <laughs> this is a video game that's very video game. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is that I also loosely joined with that, I would say, is that this is a very honest um, FromSoft game. And I will, I will explore these notions a little bit. First off, I would say that it's, once again, it's one of those games that put gameplay first, thir- uh, first, second, and third. Yeah. And then we will see about the other stuff. But it doesn't mean just because it puts those first, uh, second, and third that it neglects the other stuff. Exactly. And but once again, so that, when we do that, we have a good game on our hands. Um, it's a game that that I've described before as a game that is never afraid of forgetting that it is a video game. It's it's always about the max. It's always about the big robot doing big things, and that that's good uh, from a gameplay perspective. That's good. Narratively, I think they make it work mostly. Uh, once again, we will get into that once we get into the story a little bit. But it's. Um, it's. I will just say for myself to 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 get all the uh, very complimentary stuff out of the way, so we can be a more a bit more critical here. Uh, in I was feeling quite like not fatigued per se, but um, not not very optimized either about video games or whatever that means. Um, not very enthusiastic about video games. Let's just say that. And it, this game like really like reinvigorized like the joy of playing video games for me. Uh, a little bit, which once again, I have a weird brain. I will admit that. I will be the first to admit that. Uh, once again, uh, somewhere on the spectrum without a doubt, dyslexia, ADHD. So I have a bunch of factors that I need to juggle with when in, when interacting with anything that is going to take a couple hours. So a few games, once again, uh, m- there's also the economic element of it, of like video games being very expensive and then also being poorly made. This is one of the best PC ports that FromSoft has ever done, if not the best one. Um, so that was very nice. nice. <laughs> a game that just ran always 60 plus frames per second, except for explosions, which is fine. We can, we can, <laughs> we can take a break for the explosions. It, it, that might just also be my configuration, but not, never mind. Um, so yeah, the, uh, there was a bunch of reinvigorating elements of, how do we say, uh, the things that I was quite jaded on at this point. This game like revitalizes so many aspects of video games that I've grown so tired of the grinding aspect. I like grinding for certain parts in this game. Um, I because once again the gameplay is always fun. Imagine that. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, uh, I don't need to go into a basement to kill up. Absor- uh, well, you do need to go into a basement, sorta. But that's 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 the whole of X Four, and it's it's you know um, it's a very interesting basement. There I say a dungeon crawl, and I don't know. Once again, it never when. A th- a mission for instance a gameplay moment is very straightforward 
it is purposefully that that you need to think about hmm who did i just kill <laughs> and why did i do that and why is the game starting off in such a slow pace is it trying to teach me something is it trying to do something here and it, the game never totally lets you down uh, in that aspect i would say it always like communicates something of a reward to you it might take a little bit here and there and <laughs> that can be your thing that can not be your thing i'm not going to lie about that but um I, I do think it does communicate things a lot better uh that will stay evolving throughout the story yeah. it teaches you a little bit about a company that that company is going to be apparent to the story later on so many world building in especially video games fuck um it's like look there's a person there they sell cloth or something i'm thinking about uh Assassin's Creed or odyssey like look here's this region that this guy has lived look there's a guy uh that sells stuff i have now built my world and like <laughs> no that's not that's, that's that's the most boring shit you could have done um i don't like that so sorry to ramble here but i um i i'm so revitalized by a gaming company that understands evolving narrative yeah like they don't even do it that amazingly but given that everybody else is just like kind of shit at it i i was like you know pleasantly surprised like there are all these points all these characters all these companies and they all revisit or have a part to play and that's great i think uh yeah i'm gonna shut up now sorry (laughs) no no i agree and um I'm gonna. Um, uh, do you mind if I introduce the story and then we'll we'll talk a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, I think this is a good point to give a summary on that. Thank you. Because th- I think that's a good point for us to talk about. Yes. W- well, what you mentioned, the characters and how how that exists in this game. So let, let me just. Uh, so what is this th- this story? In the far future, all economic conflict is solved by strapping into a big robot called an armored core or an AC for short. And so we, we find ourselves on Rubicon, a planet that offers a very special resource, coral, the ultimate fuel and energy source. So we, augmented humans 6 to 1, joined the second corporate war for coral, after the first war unleashed the titular fires of Rubicon, which incinerated the planet. So now we find ourselves in the conflict between Megacorp 1 and its affiliates, Archibus, and Megacorp 2 and its affiliates, Balaam, the people on the planet, the Rubicon Liberation Front, and two bonus unknown factions, which uh, we'll talk about in an, op- in an opportune moment. Uh, we will not spare spoilers because uh, I love this game too much to not talk about the spoilery stuff, but uh, all in due time. And for... Yeah, we haven't really talked about the spoilers. Oh, so far, definitely. So <laughs> consider uh, this your dropping off point. If, uh, go play this game. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, play this game. <laughs> Play this game. It's just fun. It's just great. So, we operate as a mercenary that, at first, or that's all we know, seeks coral. We're looking for coral. And mm. and thus, <laughs> unraveling the conflict and pointing towards, maybe, some new paths for Rubicon and its people. This is the setup for this game, which uh, summarizes a great deal of uh, cutscenes and the intro cutscene. Minus plenty of details, but uh, that's basically what we're talking about. To to properly yeah. to properly get off uh, into the into this or get into this conversation, 
Um, it's noteworthy, like, how the dialogue happens or how do we get most of the narrative in this game. Um, there are some, like, text stuff, but a lot of it carried through conversations that we witness or are part of between other characters. We do not speak, we listen. So we're, we're in times of silent protagonists. And as from software is common to do. And we hear our handler, uh, Walter, who talking to our other company employers and, you know, um, liaisons and stuff. We hear these other characters talking to us or other mechs that we run into missions. And as such, we, we start developing this story via mostly these conversations, these mission briefings and stuff, and how people are interacting with one another what they're talking about, and how they interact with you. And it's interesting because one of these, these other text, uh, these little text descriptions that we may have are from the arena. Pretty much uh, all, or at least from the very first like Armored Core arena, the game has had like an arena feature, which has served a variety of different purposes. In this game, it's like this simulation thingy for the mercenary support system all mind talk about that and we're doing these simulated battles against like the top mercenaries t top ac pilots in rubicon and these battles are silent we get a little description of who these people are and we fight them later on in the game in the story we run into every single one if we are thorough enough and it is fascinating how through, you know, these descriptions and sometimes some very short lines of dialogue or how this character is referred and talked about, it can feel or be impactful or be intriguing or fascinating at the very least. It's like, you don't know, you've never seen this character before. Sometimes they won't appear very much and you know very little about them and they're going to say a couple lines. But that's not meaningless. That can be significant. And I think like this game doing good character work with very little material was one of my favorite things about this game. It's, it is the most zoomed in character drama, I would say, from yeah. any FromSoft game. Definitely. Um, it's a very character heavy um, uh, well, storytelling that's going on here. That's true. Which is, I would say the characters have always been vibrant in FromSoft game FromSoft games, but the scope was nevertheless a bit more zoomed out, a bit more, dare I say, sociological. Yeah. Um, and versus this is a bit more, despite it having strong sociological elements about like people's um, people having a place in the world and so forth and so on, and like self actualization and so forth and so on, of certain groups of people, of certain entities, dare I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's. Um, it's, it's it's very interesting because the uh, all those uh, groups of people have direct agents. Uh, sometimes it's an organization, but that organization then only exists out of like three people uh, that we know. <laughs> like there's once again a bunch of faceless people here and there, and that's not necessarily weird or whatever. That's not the point, but we do interact directly with those three people in such a uh, in in a way that is always in flux, and once again, um, 
it it does still present the player with direct choices about how this is going to end. It's, I would say, that's my favorite um, element of role playing, so to speak. Even though I would never describe this game as a role playing game. Yeah, I love. Well, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be role playing, but that's my favorite element of choosing in a video game. I think if if there's clear delineated paths that we can choose from that's always good yeah. and fun um how it separates these paths and the messaging of these paths is something i'm going to spend some time on talking of about. course but i'll i'll suspend that for the future for now um it's <laughs> yeah i don't know i is there any other point before because that's going to be like the main thing uh plot wise that i want to get into but uh, if there's anything else you would like to talk about first, I would have welcomed that, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, and this is kind of, this is a bit of a segue into that. One thing that I, I think uh, makes sense from what you're talking about, and that shows a bit of this variety, even with this limited uh, scope, like Megacorp 1. We don't know Megacorp 1 or Arcabus. We know some of the people from Arcabus that we interact with. We know who... V2 Snail is. We know who V4 Rusty is. We hear who V1 Freud is. And we, but we don't know exactly <laughs> no, no. what Arkabus is. That's not true. Uh, Frank, because uh, Snail, so the Snail of Freud that literally says, I am Arkabus. So <laughs> that's Snail. There you go. Question answered. Yeah, good, see? We know Arkabus. I don't know what you're talking about here, Frank. Good no, call. I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, and yet, they, these shall we say interfaces aren't insignificant because they they show a, an approach that and and i mean we'll, we'll have to talk about fucking snail um the the most obvious <laughs> one one of the most obvious villains in this game um he's snooty he's annoying he treats you poorly the entire game like you're supposed to hate him and it's done fine uh, <laughs> but um it it is very much like we we don't we can't really grasp with the full of Arkabus, but we get these interfaces. We get the, this like leader of Snail. We get these grunts in the troops themselves, uh, in the forces that are sent to us, and like the troop commands that we hear. Like these are the ways that we interface with the Megacorp, and they are interesting because they they offer an approach. Like it's never it is too big. Yeah. But it's not uh, detached. Like, it has points of connection, which we relate to. And to, to further that point, that, like, these points of connection show a varied uh, portrait, we have the Rubicon Liberation Front, which we'll, we'll get into... Well, it's effectively, like, the people who live on the planet and want to, like, be independent and whatnot. Their political project's a bit weird and unclear. But regardless of that, <laughs> we see some of the different members, including its leader show different positions towards, like, I don't know, their hymns, how they feel about the future, the the missions and operations that they do. Like, it's never just like, oh, we are the RLF, and this is who we are. It's like, no, we're the RLF, and these are some of the things that we're trying to do, but are not a clear group. And mm. it, it helps that the fact that they're not a, cor- a corporation, but even, like, the megacorps themselves... They're not, they're a bit weird. Again, Snail does proclaim to be Archivist at one point, 
uh, when you're fighting him and he's complaining a lot. So even then, it's like, hmm, it, it it's never, it's not a unified picture in any sense. And that's good because it, it isn't. Even when that disunity is terrible throughout, uh, which is uh, a yeah. good, good narrative design. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just uh, what I wanted to mention first. Uh, if you want to drive straight into the narrative, we can. But one of the things I was thinking was maybe like taking a narrative approach from the outside and talking about some like the sci-fi tropes. Oh yeah, which, definitely. Which is one thing that I noticed a lot while playing, especially the first time. Um, th- we're gonna get into spoiler stuff like immediately. <laughs> um, so this is your last warning to play this game. Um, it's still <laughs> fun, all the same. This is your last narrative warning. The game, though, is, uh, I will say, still very much worth playing, even if you stay. So, you know. Oh, exactly. Like, it's. The game never ceases to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Coral, big resource thingy. We find out that Coral is a life form. It is conscious to some degree. We're not, again, unclear. But it has, like, it it is a living being with conscience. So, you know, it, yeah. it it's not just, oh, it's a living thing, but it's like an animal. No, it's it's got a reasonably sentient, a reasonably strong sentience, even if it's somewhat unclear. So we have that. It's like, oh, this, because uh, they, they're, they're like living plankton. It, it reminded me a lot of Solaris with like its sentient ocean or whatever. Uh, uh-huh. Again, Solaris isn't clear about that, but we have this like, floating particle thingies that connect and whatever, but they, they're alive and they exist. So that's, a, a you know, an interesting thing. It's like, okay, this helps complicate things, not just a resource. It's a living thing as well. It's the Red Mist Girlfriend. It reminded me a lot of a game called Endless Space 2, mm. which is a game I, I still need to get into. Um, <laughs> you do. It's essentially like uh, a, a, a counter to Stellaris but a bit more board gamey, I would say, because you have definitive factions and so forth and so on. And you can't really create your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you can, but it's still like very much according to the template of one of the uh, pre-existing uh, uh, factions. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's it's like a... It's, it's, it was one of those games, very clearly map, but in-galaxy uh, game. Mm-hmm. So besides that, I would say that there's like a thing, I don't know what it's called, but it's like dust, I believe it's called, mm. which is like a gold mist, but it's also micro computers in there and people use it for currency. Oh. Um, and so that that was like, oh, that's um, why why it reminds me of that. It's not just like, oh, it's eldritch horror, cosmic horror, red mist. It's a bit more than that, I would say. It's a bit more, um, it's a bit more nuanced, not necessarily nuanced, but like... <laughs> I guess it's just a bit more human, I would say. Yeah. It's 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 just another factor of the biome. It's it's there, but it also reminds me of Dust from that game. Um, because there's a very interesting line in the description of the of um coral that it talks about being able to store information. Mm. I was like, hey, it's a literal cloud TM. <laughs> As in how we talk in tech about like storing things into the cloud. Yeah. Uh, once again, it's not, it's not a real thing. It's a data server somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but this is an actual tech cloud TM because it can store information. True. And they have, they have like a 
cool weird language that I use sometimes um, about like what was it what they call it again like making contact yes um, with like pilots and I was like oh that's hmm, interesting uh, that they could have like directly talked to pretty much everyone maybe but choose to make contact with a certain person and you are a odd one at that because we should we should talk about um who you are uh <laughs> the hyper competent man or person maybe maybe but i would say you are not someone that's uh that idealized so maybe if you are hyper competent you're more the route of the witcher which is still a despised uh person yeah <laughs> not that's directly but you you are a weird one because you have a certain set of augmentation like called Gen 4, I believe. Yes. Which is uh, like, oh, you old fucking models. Like, you're you're really shit-talked by like a bunch of other pilots. Like, oh, you fucking weirdos. Oh, those Gen 4 people hear voices in their head. They're fucking weird. So I think the game, game is clearly um, trying to communicate to us that this, um, how do we say... Um, it's trying. It's it's trying to communicate to us that there's something about the Gen Four augmentations that promote interactions with Coral that makes them more accessive or receptive to Coral uh, connection making or making contact mm-hmm. with Coral. I would say, I think that is what they're trying to go with. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I, I do do find it interesting, and you. I don't know if the game is trying to communicate to you that the presence of your coral girlfriend, because you hear a voice in your head called Air. Air? Yeah. Air. Air. Stupid name. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry, it just is. But it's better than Elden Ring, like naming every character a G, R, or an M. (laughs) But um, it's not Uh. any other. Uh, (laughs) uh, Elden Ring. But um, yeah, so she's in voice in your head and I thought that uh, maybe your competency has something to do with that as well even though you're already like a proven pilot at this point yeah like but you, but you do pull off more and more excessive feats you do and <laughs> and she is very she's conscious on a very interesting level um, because and why I'm saying this this comes to pass in Act 4 I believe when you go down a uh, mine shaft, I believe, and uh, find a city. <laughs> but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the very cryptic communication with your handler, Walter. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, like, hey, how did you become so good at exploring? Like, he clearly... Does... So, Air is very interesting because she's then clearly capable to draw upon information stored within her cloud existence yeah and once again is she doing that because she wants to realize her own desires or her own agenda or whatever that's up for you to decide Mm -hmm. there's no definitive answer to that and i think that's good storytelling for a fromsoft setting exactly uh you need to do you need to piece it together so here i go trying to piece it together and (laughs) you can then uh tell you tell me how you piece it together frank yeah but i do think sorry go on no no go on I do think air enhances your abilities to some extent. I do think like there's a symbiosis going on there. No, absolutely. Even if it is only just telling you, like, okay, you need to go there, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's behind that corner, and there you go. 
and and that's very interesting to me because I do love the angel on the shoulder that might not be an angel trope if that's a thing <laughs> yeah um like how far um it's a thing in my um it's a thing that's very interesting conceptualized in one of my favorite fantasy series called uh, the first law trilogy where there are voices in somebody's head called the tellers of secrets and the tellers of secrets is like something that's very useful but every so often they're also like hey open the gate to help please and like no <laughs> you need to go like it's this very lovecraftian type of thing like hey i'm useful but hey maybe also set us free upon a world and they're like no 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 don't we're not, i'm not gonna do that i can ignore you easily and like it's a very interesting dynamic in that book um even though the character that has it disappears off the face of the world after six books oh. or after three books for the for the continuous six books which is frustrating Fuck you, Joe Abercrombie. She was so interesting. Fuck you. <laughs> um, it's, I will be buying your book, so I can say that. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I'm sorry. But I do find that that's such an interesting sci-fi trope that we, uh, like the sci-fi element or a fantasy sci-fi element in this case. Mm-hmm. But um, there, <laughs> there's a reason why I introduced myself as a Red Mist girlfriend because I thought it was going to go for another thing that's very popular in sci-fi. Yeah, I'm just going to say this real quick and then I would love to hear your conceptualization of this whole process but i thought it was going to go the route of exploration of fragility within men mm. especially the loneliness and the, this, their disposition towards women and this notion is very interestingly explored within the movie um ex machina mm, mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen it uh which is like once again the woman that's like let me out. Come on, let me out. I I will be your girlfriend. We can we can explore the world. And then she's like, go fuck yourself. I'm gone. <laughs> and spoiler for that movie. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it's, it's still beautifully a depiction of men being like kind of dumb and like in, in, fragile and insecure um, in, in a very interesting way that is not belligerent upon men, I would say, but yeah. still painfully honest as we should be with things. So I thought that was going to be the route that that air is going to take, but it's less the case. She has a lot less direct influence until she doesn't. More about that in a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. She doesn't take you over. I was like, oh, okay. If I do what she does, wants me to do, like I will definitely get like possessed or something, like a, like a Lovecraftian situation. Mm. But that, that wasn't the case. Uh, so I was wrong about that. I read that wrong. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that reading is still true because you can listen to air and like betray your human uh, people that's whose political once again political identity is vague but they do bust you out of re-education camp so um, you do betray like people that you like uh for the red mist girlfriend so to speak that i'm calling her condescendingly i'm sorry yeah but um yeah i don't know how do you how do you experience all that because that's by far the most interesting sci-fi trope in there for me no definitely I, I i liked it a lot because i was like at first i thought okay this is a person that became coral or was trapped in coral or whatever but then it's like oh no you're, you're actually a different life form and as the game advanced and the story paths changed i was like oh you have your own interests and your own agenda and i i i hadn't realized as much what you mentioned but the fact that she she can't really like control you directly, um, and when you decide it's like no, I I won't do this. She like has enough power or possibility to like actively oppose you, and uh, controls a giant robot and tries to fight you back. 
and the satellite too, because of course not. Uh, because of course, it's the most difficult boss fight in from in my opinion. Yeah, it's a from soft game, so there are boss fights. Um, we 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 do have to talk a bit about the boss <laughs> fights, maybe. We but, do. Uh, yeah. Go on. Sorry. Uh, but I, I I feel like the fact that like Coral is a living being that can think and can act, and how. I, we'll, we'll talk about the endings in a minute or in a little bit, but how they, yeah. they show different aspects or how Coral will be or could be is really cool. And the fact that Coral is a life form really shapes or twists another sci-fi trope, which is one of the endings and the one that Handler Walter, your Handler, uh, wants you to do like that, your main mission, which is to... Recreate the fires of Rubicon and incinerate all the coral and thus the planet and the people in it. Uh, because where there's coral, there's blood. We can't use coral well. Coral will always be a source for conflict and so we must destroy it. That's a classic sci-fi trope. Like, we can't use this. We've got to destroy it. got to get rid of it. But is it? it's not an it. It's a being. It's a life form. It's a series of life forms. Genocide. The game asks you to asks you to commit genocide <laughs> with your buddies. <laughs> Committing genocide with your buddies. Yay! It's um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty bleak. Uh, it's the bleakest fucking ending, I think. Uh, maybe, M- maybe not. Yeah. But it's it's really fucking dark because you know you you destroy a planet and kill an entire life form. Uh, maybe for good. Maybe not. Uh, again. Coral kind of revived or survived the first fire, so who knows? But yeah, but and that was something I enjoyed because, like, you know, it's usually like, oh, humanity can't use this and whatnot. And in a sense, like, uh, usually it's not wrong when it's pointing that out, even if it is a limiting view. Uh, but even it's like, okay, in the short to middle term or to a medium term, like, this will have disastrous consequences for everyone. That's not really wrong. Uh, but uh, in order to stop people from using this, you do need to commit genocide. And as a bonus, you do destroy the entire planet uh, for like the second time and more thoroughly this time. So, ah, the game asks quite a bit of you from a narrative standpoint. It's like, do this. Um, and it's like, it's, uh, it's pretty brutal. The game throws you a slight curveball. Not really, but... I really like that because it's not just, oh, this is what they're trying to do or like, oh, Coral has its own interests and whatnot or like, oh, this is our mission or, and we need to destroy it. It's like, no, we we need you to destroy it and we have good reason for it because these weapons are horrifically terrible. At this point in the game, we've fought many boss fights which are autonomous Coral weaponry um, and or independent Coral automaton. I think that may be the thingy. Uh, there's an acronym I don't quite remember. The really tough C bosses. Weapons. Uh, sorry. C weapons. C weapons. Coral weapons. Um, yeah. And they're really tough, and if not outright annoying, and at one point, pretty much kind <laughs> of unkillable. You you kill it, but you kind of co- the you know there's an outcome where you don't. Uh, so it's. They're really terrifying. They're, they're a big thing. And Coral is also the stuff that allows human augmentation. Uh, if you're Gen 4, we're currently, I think, on Gen 10, maybe, or 9. Yeah. Something like that. So we're, we're pretty far behind. And um, 
it, it is the stuff that makes this possible. So there's good reason to not use coral and good reason to destroy it. But to do so means space genocide. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, deal with that. That's what Armored Core 6 tells you. Do it. You know what the consequences are. You know what coral is. And if you do that, your, your red miss girlfriend will stand against you and will make you feel bad. <laughs> really bad. And then you realize the, the extent of your genocide. Um, not that, you know, just leaving coral to be or the, the third ending um, is necessarily good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I really like the narrative and I do like these use of tropes that's like, Oh, this is like a separate life form, or it's the angel on your shoulder. But uh, is it really good? It has its own interest. And in what sense are they what they are? Uh, oh, destroy this. We can't use it. Yeah, but what does it mean to destroy this? So I, I really liked these tropes, which you, you see a lot in sci-fi, and you've always seen it, seeing them. But there, there's a lot. There's some serious consequences here. Um. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a broader scope to be had, even then yeah um i think that we don't just see them or see those elements a lot in this game we have seen those elements a lot in armored core in general, yeah true right? true and but this is a very interesting reconceptualization of this and i would say the um well let me just say like there's a <laughs> there's abundant abundant uh environmental messaging in the entirety of the Armored Core series. Yes, yes. Especially in the later parts. It's a far more direct. Uh, I don't know which one this is. I'm so sorry. Uh, but uh, go ahead and watch the Vati video, video again. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, go, go figure it out for yourselves. But I believe it's Armored Core 3 that we spent underground. Because once again, we fucked up the surface. And there's a bunch of, like, once again, those things going on. And, like... We always uh, in in Armored Core Four. I want to say. Well, uh, Armored um, Core is one and three. Two kind of isn't. Two is weirder. But one and three are both underground in like this, yeah, uh, bunkered earth. Yeah, and in four, I believe I'm not quite sure. But you're always fighting in ruined cities. Like mm-hmm. we really like fuck the surface as well. Once again, we can feel some type of way about that. I think this. Well, I suppose this is the game that is most really mo- most robustly anti-capitalist of any FromSoft game. I suppose in its messaging. Uh, I, I think the series kind of. generally is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, like the Armored Core series yeah. versus a Dark Souls. Oh, definitely. Or, or yeah, whatever. that's what I meant. Not just this game, but the franchise. And but this one is then an interesting one. In uh, in that aspect, because we have personified the uh, the 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 ecosystem, we have personified yes. the environment. The environment has now become coral slash air, or it has become coral, and coral is air. And the there is this once again, there is a broader narrative that I was referring to going on here that um, the very painful message of we have not done enough. Uh, all of us, some of us definitely have. Uh, but we as humanity have not done enough to stop the onslaught of capitalism. Therefore, air should die. And mm-hmm. it's uh, that's very painful. Yeah. But it's very, I would like to get into, if it's okay with you, into the dubious political messaging of both the um, 
not UBS, but maybe not as robustly as I would have liked. Uh, the messaging of uh, Rubicon Liberation Front, the RLF, mm-hmm. RLF, and um, just generally the game itself is massive. Yes, um, uh, which <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I I'm I'm up for that, and I will phrase it as like a question that reali- that came to me as uh, you know we were planning this episode. And, you know, it's a question that I will I, I want to develop as we carry on the rest of this episode, which uh, is this game capitalist realist? That's that's for me, to <laughs> yeah. ask, not just for you, uh, but like um, it's like something that came into my hand. Is it to my head? Mm-hmm. Is it? And I'll, I'll try to answer it as we, we go on. But but please, please do do go. Uh, yeah, no, but that, that's that's kind of it. Um, I think that's a good uh, tool or tool. That's the wrong word. I'm sorry. I think that's a good conceptualization to approach this game with and its messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I am personally, once again, I'm even though I like to think I have a bit more of a tolerance for this topic messaging than Frank does. Yes, I'm very much like Frank that I strongly prefer the utopian. Oh yeah, especially right about now. Hey, um, and you know that's it's you know current times treat TM. This messaging after I wrote in my notes, like, and I've 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 softened on this position a little bit, but I wrote in my notes after like fifteen games. This this being the sixteenth yes. core, despite despite it being Armored Core six, there's a lot of so how it works is there's a generation Armored Core one, and then it has a large a bunch of spinoffs. Yeah, and um, this being the sixteenth game, I think this was the moment in time, especially it being revamped and such, as uh, a more direct. One on uh, as as a more environmental, how do we say a more environmental armored core? Armored core has definitely played around with environment before, with like taking down ships and so so yeah. and like that. But I think this is where it really hits its stride. I I think this was the game where we could have also used a bit more robust anti-capitalist message. Oh if yeah, that's what you want to go for, especially with like the uh, robots that I was going to call the robots or like a max that the Rubicon Liberation Front uses being called uh, communist bots in like the data files for <laughs> the game. Yeah. Uh, for those for those robots. I'm like, you know, come on, come on, man. <laughs> Just use the word. Just use the word. It's fine. Um, but then I'm also kind of happy that they don't do that because the Rubicon Liberation Front is very weird, I would they say. They are. With like... They are. This more, yeah, well, they have this ministerial element to them with Father Dolomain, um, with, uh, you know, like Father and like little, little Z, and like there's a very odd naming convention going on there. Yeah. That I don't necessarily am eager to recognize as anything leftist. Uh, the best thing I have to say about it is that it's nice and familiar. Um, it's consistent. But, but yeah. Uh, at the same time, then it's also kind of reinforcing the nuclear family structure, and that I'm not a fan of. But it's it's whatever, right? Um, but the whole thing about the Rubicon Liberation Front being present and being like, "Look, we are not as bad as this horrendous Aldrich Shore type company that is, <laughs> or like a, a mega capitalist company that functions as an Aldrich Horde that is devouring the planet." Yeah, I should say. Um, like that's great. The bar is on the ground there, and uh, an archivist and Balam are getting a, sh- a, a a giant drill platform. Uh, so <laughs> the the whole thing is like, I but I wish there was a more of a robust counter to that in a meaningful way, 
whereas you do get the opportunity to work with them in multiple different ways and take out agents of the agents of capital in this case um literally which sounds it sounds a lot cooler than it it, it, it ends up being because there is no there's no true affiliation yeah there's no direct relation between six to one and other things uh, like uh, being a company being it's the closest thing you affiliate with if, if it's if you go to walter carla route so to speak yeah the mass genocide one which is not great so i, I don't know i don't know how do you feel about uh about all this i think that makes sense i i think like if we're to read the rlf politically they are at most like a kind of independence group like a, a national liberation group something like that but with much unclear politics and like the organization is unknown and we don't it's very unclear like it's just there like they're they're trying to live there and, and trying to you know exist but there is something interesting about that and i'll, I'll get to that in a moment but their 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 relationship with like with the land and you know with Rubicon and being Rubiconians abide by Rubicon. Sorry, <laughs> but their their model, their hymn, so to speak, is Coral abide with Rubicon, which is like no yeah. coral is ours. Coral belongs to Rubicon. No one else to take it uh, for us in the planet. Coral endure within us all. Okay, like for us to like. To contact, consume, we find that coral can be used as a drug, uh, in some sense. So, like, okay, maybe something like this. But then it gets very weird at the end, and we later find out why. Uh, For none of us shall cast the die. Okay, so so, yeah, Roman sentence we know. Uh, but what the fuck does this mean? We'll get to that in a moment. But um, effectively, it's like no, this coral is for Rubiconians. Coral is to stay here in kind of the way that it is, but leave us alone. That's basically it. Like, leave us alone. Get out of the planet. We want to be here with the coral and basically keep things as they are, but go away to to the megacorps, which is reasonable (laughs) at the best of intentions. Um, But it's... Yeah, it, it it's not of a strong politically charged group. For like, it's again, it's a national liberation group at best, and maybe not even that. Um, I mean, they're stand-in revolutionaries that are just exactly. there to provide a material counter to Archivist and Balin predominantly. Exactly, which is disappointing, in my opinion. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I feel like they they serve like a different narrative purpose, but we again we end up lacking this proper stronger revolutionary goal or ideal which we kind of at least i did projected into some of the characters like the best boy uh rusty <laughs> rusty is the best boy he calls you buddy he's the nice friend um <laughs> everyone likes rusty love rusty nobody dislikes him at the very least <laughs> exactly i mean i love rusty i i am a i'm a sim for rusty i i admit uh <laughs> anyway I would like to see more of like a radical, actually politically radical stance, like that actually points towards something different. Like you choose or decide that position wherever your path you're going in this game. And again, it's never entirely clear either way. 
well, we're going to talk about the third ending shortly because we we must, and that that'll explain the die thing. Yeah. But uh, before getting into that, you you touched us upon something that I I kind of the Briggs uh, remind me of things because uh, like okay, like six to one or Raven, which is like the title that we kind of rob from a dead armored core, um, is unaffiliated right like we're a mercenary we'll work for anyone and maybe we'll affiliate with them or the others and maybe not um but even then uh okay like we don't have affiliations but how are the affiliations of the others right and like okay some of them are clear agents of capital right like they're supposing to enforce this they're wanting to enforce this and okay at the best like they're working as like grunts or robots or mechs for the megacorp but even then, like, it's never entirely clear, like, for for the special AC squad of Arkabas, like, they're genetically engineered people, like, they're augmented humans. For Balaam, like, it's generally, like, a ragtag crew that, like, they force into indentured servitude, hired, coerced. It's, um, basically, the game doesn't let you feel good about killing most of its characters. That that's the point. Like, oh, it's an agent of capital. Some, most of them, even when they are, it's not as easy. Like, it's usually if you're trying to look at it like as deep as you possibly can with what you have, it's gonna be somewhat unsatisfying. That's like, whoops, just killed a man. Whoops, just killed them. Yep, that's great. Ugh. And uh, it's, yeah. it's a good narrative thing to do. Death has a very interesting relation that confused me a bit a little bit yeah. <laughs> um, in in this game because i thought when i blew up a mech or an ac sorry or well even ac doesn't cover all but never mind. <laughs> um when i blew up another ac um i thought they were dead they were dead dead yeah because you know you're in there i blow up your shit you're dead yeah uh apparently so this this really confused me like where is the pilot situated and i had a couple of questions about like all that but Never got like robust answers. Yeah, the game doesn't give you answers. Um, You're basically left to assume there's like maybe not always, and there's apparently an eject switch, but you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the eject but, switch. But you don't, you don't see that, and that's very interesting. I mm-hmm. think. Um, uh, which is which is I do want to say uh, something. Uh, I was going to wax on philosophically for a really short. Don't worry. Um, a thing that I find very interesting about the depiction of this world and uh, in, in in its in its direct physical sense, mm. I would say. Um, there's no human model. There's not one no. uh, human model in, in any of the data files. There isn't. <laughs> this is a world of steel and only steel yeah. in it. And, and, and the coral. So there's this, once again, there's the yin-yang between the machine and the ghost going on there a little bit. Um, or the ghost in the machine as you literally are. Exactly. Um, air, or should I say air? No, okay, sorry. But what I'm trying to say is that like I find it a very interesting choice that Everything is cold, rusted steel. Uh, a steel haze, if you will. A haze of steel. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to stop any time now with these shit jokes. Uh, but yeah. but so, I, <laughs> you don't meet anyone either, no. which didn't stop a onslaught of fan artists to just imagine people, which I find very interesting. And if you had more time, I would have loved to get into that, but we don't. So I'm going to skip over that, sadly. I'm so sorry. The, um, the sketches? <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Um, the fan artists oh, yeah. online. People have just been like drawing people. Uh, very little black people in there. Huh? Funny mm. how that works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I'm sure 
institutional racism is not real. Anyway, so my point, my point being is that I find it very interesting because how, how do we imagine Michigan to look like? Michigan looks to me like the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Exactly. Because that's that's Michigan. Of course. Uh, that's literally one-on-one Michigan. But yeah, how does Rusty look? And how does and we do have the, the concept art, of course, to guide us a little bit here. In a very interesting, once again, typical FromSofts, uh, non-linear storytelling going on there. And it's, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like it well enough. Um I am not going to sift through it myself, even though I did apply myself quite uh, diligently for a FromSoft game, usually, I admit. Mm-hmm. I uh, play the game and look around and then look what other people are saying through video essays and online posts. And then I make up my own judgment, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, so, but this time I try to like play more, pay more attention to the story as it unfolds. And, uh, you know, I did fine. Um, I like to think, but then I did watch other people talk about s- the slides that you unlock. Yeah. Because uh, I can't be bothered, I'm sorry. No, that's fair. And these people then, <laughs> these people then have very direct, precise... Um, Matches? Uh, opinion. No, no, they uh, they have all the information ready. Like all other accumulating information they have at the tips of their tongue, so to speak. And I, I when I go through those slides, I'm like, wait, who was this again? And like, you mm-hmm. know, so... It's just, it's just, it, I just make good time by doing that. No, that's but fair. once again, I, besides that, I, I think then that it, it has, once again, one of those things that is often very present in sci-fi. And this is the last trope I'll talk about, even though there are more, and I'm sorry, really sorry, <laughs> but um, this, it, it is literal. It is a literal battle. If you look at the material elements of it, it's a literal battle of nature versus culture. Yeah. Uh, all the steel represents culture and all the coral represents nature up to a direct degree. And this then, once again, um, tags into what I said earlier about the painful reality of what will happen if we don't stop capitalism. And you, you will get, you know, you'll get painful choices like, do we have to kill coral because it cannot be trusted to exist because we fucked up and we allowed horrible entities as Dutch Royal shall, I mean, Archibus, uh, to <laughs> exist. And <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I'm not wrong. So not. I would have loved to, to cap that off a little bit and tie these things together. Therefore, um, to tap into that raw, painful nerve ending of current public consciousness I think that needed to go accompanied with a bit more of a robust anti-capitalist storytelling. Of course, I agree. Um, I, <laughs> and I understand the very clear marketing reasons not to do that. <laughs> Japan has a very interesting history with how they treat uh, communist people. Oh, yeah. There's, the, the, yeah. <clears throat> not, sadly, also something I would have loved to get into, but we can't. Um, so <laughs> the unthinkable option, as they call it sometimes. Um so yeah, I don't know. It's that I love it. I I love the story and I like everything we have encountered. I just I guess my main complaint is that I wish there was more of it, which is a good complaint to have. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just that absence feels a bit jarring a little bit. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I just want to quickly say the last thing I'll say is that if you are going to be called three digits, sixty-one is not the worst, but not the best three digits. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, they also constantly say it. Oh, gun 13, I guess they'll keep calling you 621. Don't let them teach you bad manners. 
Like, okay, Walter, sure. Stop. Uh, I, I guess I like being called 61 over being called a dog, which is not saying fucking a lot now, is it? And <laughs> it's, uh, it's it, they constantly keep saying it as well. Like, 61, do this. 61, get out of the, get out of the canyon. 61, fuck my wife. 601, like, go out of the, fuck, fuck up that other AC. I don't know. He constantly keeps saying 61, 61. Yeah. And that, that, that does drive me. That, I will say kudos to this game because that really made me feel like I had the Gen 4 augmentations placed upon me. Yeah. So, you know, kudos, game. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to shut up now. But that's, that's, I feel quite strongly about that. Well, your designation is C- C4-621. The C4 probably stands for Coral 4. Um, yeah. Because we don't know what that C is, but you're for Gen, so maybe Coral 4. Um, yeah. And then 6 to 1. Which um, th- there are some interesting implications for your number because you, you know there were previous 6, 6 to 0, 6, 19, 18, and 17. Uh, some of them show up in trailers. Other char- One other character refers to them and, you know, a Walter. But uh, anyway, we, we don't have time. That's indeed lore. Um, <laughs> when it gets DLC, we'll do a bonus episode. I hope we'll so. I hope it gets DLC. Uh, <laughs> I would love to talk about the Research Institute as well, which you don't have time for. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But um, if you had three numbers, what would they be? God, I, I don't know. I can't uh, think about you that. Were... <laughs> like, that's too deep a question. And I there's one. The answer is 420, obviously. Christ, uh, Frank. Embrace the meme. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> It's my my fault. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm kidding with you. Please. Um, but um, I I feel like on that disappointment of the thing, and that's why I maybe feel like the the only way to call this to find to label this narrative, so to speak, or categorize it, is as capitalist realist, is because of what that third ending is and what yeah. what that what that means. So let let me just go through the endings again. First one, genocide. Second one, you refuse to commit genocide. Uh, you kick off the company, the, the megacorps from um, Rubicon? Question mark. That 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 is that second ending. It's not. Yeah, it's clear. It's the un- most unclear one because it's not. It's a very vague picture of what that is. Like you sort of liberate or make coral independent. Like it's not longer being harvested, and the Rubiconians, the RLF at the very least, is kind of alive. Mostly, but yeah, I like the uh, Rubicon Liberation Front ending, quote unquote. Yeah, because you side with Air up to a point, um, and I like that one because it is fake, probably because it doesn't <laughs> really get into. So I can just kind of like seep my own future into that. Um, yeah, because once again, you are a fucking weapon, literal. You are. So I'm like, I would love that to be the canon timeline and a DLC with like, um. With you fending off the new corporations that show up, it's a great way to introduce new parts and whatnot. And uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> just food for thought there. Anyway, sorry, go on. No, no, that's that's good. But uh, yeah, anyway, that that's the one that like the the RLF victory or the closest thing to a victory that they could get. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the the, <laughs> the endings are also called the fires of Raven, where you commit the fires of Rubicon, but you've got a name. So you're the one responsible. No one will forget that. Uh, everyone will remember that. Um, Let's see how far they fly on a raven's wings. And it's genocide. That's how far they fly. True. They fly to genocide. <laughs> yeah. The second one, the liberator of Rubicon ending. Again, very unambiguous. 
And then the third ending. The third ending is Alia Yakta Est. That's the die be cast. <laughs> the, the, the Latin one. Yeah. So I knew that. Yeah. I need everyone to know that I knew that. Go of course. <laughs> Sorry, so did I? <laughs> um, Sorry, go on. So what is that ending? That that ending has a lot of stuff because it adds the second unknown faction, first one being Walters, uh, Overseer, the second one being uh, Rogue AI, the mercenary, the mercenary support, support th- thing, um, all mind. They're an AI with their own interests doing something called Coral Convergence. Again, uh, unclear what that is. We don't really know, and we don't know what that means even in the end. But they're doing that, and I was like, okay, let's let's see where this goes. We kind of betray everyone in this one. We betray Rusty. We betray uh, Walter. Everyone else kind of dies in this one. What? Yeah. And that's the one. It's like, the, the die shall not be cast. And this is what you're doing. You're casting the die. And what happens in this one? If I am able to gather it kind of correctly, like the coral kind of masses up into like critical mass in the atmosphere and is kind of unleashed throughout the galaxy, question mark? Well, (laughs) and it... it, Sorry, carry on. It implodes. It creates a coral black hole. Yeah. Which I don't even know if we still are working with Hawking radiation at that point. (laughs) Um, it's like you know questions questions only questions Um, yeah so it doesn't like explode it literally implodes and create like literal I assume time space distortion yeah you know (laughs) fun times and uh, and then the the coral fuses becomes with uh, other mechs not necessarily people like, but the robot armored cores themselves and kind of becomes free, like embodied almost. Um, the horrifying thing about that ending is that at the very mm-hmm. end, it's like the closing off, it's like the screen is darkened. You hear the stuff that you hear at the very start of every single mission in this game, which is um, combat systems engaged um, or something mm-hmm. to that resort. Uh, which is uh, a little bit concerning for what the future might hold. But uh, here's why I call all this capitalist realist. The first ending, genocide. Second ending, vague, unclear, postponing of a conflict. That's what happens in that second one. The third one is you're literally like, this situation cannot stand. And the consequences uh, will probably be dire, as they always are. But... um, in a sense, like the the Rubicon Liberation Front, him is like, no, we none of us shall do this. This thing cannot happen. We must, to some degree, things must remain as they are. And when you unleash the coral as such, when you reach coral convergence, you break that up. You break that apart, and it's like, no, like we must cast the die. Like everything else is intolerable or is unsustainable, and like. It's the most radical option. The most, the strongest change being perpetrated is in that ending, but is the one with the most variables. Show it the one where we know the least of what the fuck's gonna happen next. <laughs> um, it's not good. <laughs> I can't say it's hopeful, uh, but I can't say it's necessarily bleak. Um, it's um, it's the be- the best kind of open ending. 
uh, the one with the vague sense of what's going to happen. It's uncertain, it's not necessarily good, but it's not necessarily the worst thing that's happening. It's not the genocide. Uh, at least not yet. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, of course, fundamentally, it, the question is not as answerable, like always the game capitalist realist. Eh, I don't know. But it's the clearest kind of portrayal that, like, there isn't really a clear alternative out of it. Like, there is the destruction, there is the postponement, and at the end, there is, uh, it's like, ultimately the game wants you to play it three times and get to this third ending. That's what the game, from a mechanical design point of view, wants you to do. Um, that's the only other alternative, that there is this radical, strong change. It's not necessarily good, but it's like, yeah, we must cast the die. Lots to be said well, about you uh, doing it as an independent character, but uh, anyway, uh, that's that's where I stand with it. Like I don't know, but it is all quite interesting. Yeah, um, and you, you asked me this before, I believe. Um, I believe it was about Armored Core, at least. It's whether um, or not this Kevlar's uh, realism, mm-hmm. and I once again also don't have a robust answer to that. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. I, I do think that's not what. That's what Mark Fisher would have wanted. No, um, <laughs> I don't care about that. But it's um, I I do have then. It it does tap into once again what I've been saying. Um, with the in the uh, train of thought of capitalist realism, we once again must uh, confront the reality of can we imagine uh, the end of the world before the end of capitalism here, <laughs> and the struggle within this game is literally that. Yeah. I would argue, um, up to a point, and there are some you know deviations about that. But of course, I, w- I would say it wouldn't 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 be surprised if Miyazaki has uh, read capitalist realism. Let's just say, yeah, that. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, I I find that very interesting um, because the the three endings are a literal like confrontation of once again what i've been saying before we we are not able to stop capitalism in time and now what question mark yeah um and how far do we go now in in our vague attempts at stopping it the problem then being of course that uh, walter and carla do not have a like a strong idea to stop it other than once again mass genocide um (laughs) and i i find interesting that uh coral I think Kroll is then kind of used by All Mind in the third one because Air does fight alongside you. Yeah. Um, and there, once again, the interest bearer of Kroll is Air. Um, yeah. I do like then that the game tosses tosses all the lonely gamers a bone that they are allowed to fight with their red mist girlfriend, at least. <laughs> um, Only at that's the very something, end. At least. Yeah, it's my favorite romance scene in games. Uh, the battle between All Mind and like Air and uh, 61. No, but it's, I don't know. So yeah, I, I find that train of thought indeed very interesting. And I suppose within that train of thought, the non-robust endings kind of make sense. Yeah. So, but that being said, I would argue that we could have easily had these robust, uh, political, uh, politicized, politically inefficient endings and still fight over those. Of course. Because that that would still, you know, be capitalist realism or whatever. 
but yeah, it, it does in, indeed frame the struggle of this game in the most interesting way, if you ask, uh, is this game capitalist realist? So yeah, that's very clever of you, and I thank you, <laughs> thank you. for introducing that into the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, and man, I, I don't have anything to say. I'm looking at the time, I kind of want to... Yeah, no, saying Sadly, <laughs> I could go on forever as Likewise. well, so it might as well, you know, so it's... Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? Uh, as a bonus that, uh, to that, how how interesting it is then to conceptualize coral as nature and the ACs as culture when they fuse in the coral convergence. Yeah, the, I suppose that's kind of dialectical. Yeah, <laughs> just, just posing that question. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I, I can't allow myself to get all in there because yeah, me that will just it will just uh, and everyone talk about the Mac economy and I can't and and the music and stuff, but. Uh, great soundtrack as well. Oh yeah, Always fantastic! Knocking it out of the park. It is very interesting, I would say, and I would love it if the game could do something with DLC regarding that, or maybe like have three smaller DLCs each dedicated to one, to one. That'd ending. be wonderful. That's not going to happen, but that'd be wonderful. I mean, you do have a whole generation of Armored Core Six, uh, like looking at all the other spin-off things per True. generation. True. We could be dealing with, with that. That'd be not. That'd be a new one for video games. Yeah, um... I'd like that. <laughs> no ending is canon. Anyway. All endings are canon. What's the other game where all endings are canon? Oh yeah, the, the other one I I like, which is uh, the, the the Henry Stickman collection. Oh, okay. <laughs> a bit of a different vein, but yeah, Very sure, much. sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I got the only closing thought that I have is um, fuck you, Jeff Keighley, for not nominating this uh, game. Same. It's not just Jeff Keighley, I know, but <laughs> it's uh, fuck the Game Awards uh, wholeheartedly for putting fucking Spider Man on there. The game that's not even finished. Um, or uh, fucking, I don't know, like the Mario game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zelda was deserved. I oh, yeah. like Zelda. Um, and oh, uh, Resident Evil 6, uh, Resident Evil 4. Uh, I love that game. But and Alan Wake uh, too. Th- that shouldn't a remake. No, no, no. Alan Wake should have been on there. Yeah. But um, Resident Evil the remake should not have been on there. Oh, remake right. should not have been nominated. This game should have been nominated. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, same. Uh, that didn't win is one thing. I get it. It's very niche. It's very beautiful in that way. I love the very mm-hmm. niche of this game. But uh, fuck the game awards uh, for multiple reasons. Totally. You'll get into very soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shall we have a bit of fun to close off this episode? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, to to really uh, to to silify ourselves, if you will, uh, since hey. you so beautifully wrote on our <laughs> Patreon, dear listener. Oh yeah, please go check out our Patreon if you can. So. Patreon.com forward slash left page. There you go. <laughs> um, and you, uh, we both put up uh, some writings there, and they're they're currently all open for everyone. So do check those out. Yes, please. Our little uh, literary Christmas gifts. Uh, you can hear me lose my marbles over immigrants uh, in a good way. In, in our treatment of, of immigrants, which is very poor. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, you can hear Frank talk about silliness in a very intellectually gifted and amazing way. Hey, Frank and says. Elden Ring. More Elden Ring. <laughs> and, and, and more from some. What more could you want? What more could you want? Yeah. <laughs> we have a problem. Anyway, thank you so much. Oh, but sorry. Let's have some. uh, So let's be silly. To wrap this up, let's do a smash or pass (laughs) of all the of or most of the armored core characters. Um, Our next smash or pass, I envision, 
uh, will be a lot hornier, so it's cool to be a little sillier. True. Uh, as of right now. Um, yeah, anyway, go on. I'm, uh, I'm going to go from the bottom of the list. Um, okay. Uh, the Red Miss Girlfriend, Air. Oh, uh, Smash. Smash, definitely. Um, Handler Walter. Um, Pass. I like you him, but he scares too me. Much, and I'm not into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my air scares me, <laughs> but uh, but in a cool way. Yeah, um, true. She, I think air could beat up Walter, despite Walter being very good pilot at the end. True, true. And he's he's so bitter at the end as well, but earning all the money anyway. Another time. I, I think he's time. deranged Sorry. at the end because he's been uh, oh, yeah. been factorized. Uh, <laughs> yeah, weird stuff. Um, Re-educated. Yeah. Um, Rusty. Um, man, that is difficult because he's such a bro. Like he's just—he's a best friend. You know, I can't really like get into him uh, sexually. So I would say pass. But I—I I, do—I would give him a good hug. <laughs> Smash, obviously. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I've, by all means. Um, Nightfall, the other raven. Um, we don't hear that, uh, that pilot speak. We just hear their handler speak, or we hear yeah. someone else speak instead. Their handler, I think, is um, how the game treats them. I would smash the handler, though. <laughs> she sounds interesting. True, good call. Um, yeah, uh, but, but. I oh the silent non-protagonist. I would, say, I would say, I would say Smash because the cool Pfizer thingy. True. That's that fucks. I'm sorry. I like that so much. True. Fun. Smash. I I smash too. <laughs> um, uh, skipping a bit. Um, Mind Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> or no, not Mind Alpha. Uh, All Mind. All Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. Huh. Difficult. Um, pass, I think. Pass, pass. All mine scares yeah. me. Um, it's uh, yeah. You mentioned the fan art. There's there was very quick a coherence of how the community thought of All Mind as this sleek mm. executive woman. Um, oh, which is pantsuit, rocking girl boss. Exactly, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, but uh, again, clear pass. I do like Kate. Does that make sense? Uh, Kate is I still all mind, they... I think. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's, that's what I mean. I would pass on all mind, but I would be more inclined to different face all mind, which is Kate Middle, whatever her name is. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I forgot something. again. I'm sorry. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It only shows up once, but I do like her. I, I guess I'm inclined towards people if you fight together. True, <laughs> true. I mean, if I didn't know, well, I don't know. If I did know Kate, what Kate Markson. If Kate was all mine, maybe smash. If not, pass. Yeah. Um, now, now to the proper list. Uh, Invincible proper. Rummy. <laughs> Matt Stump. Um, does he say Matt Stump when? Never mind. Um, of course he does. <laughs> what? Why did he even ask that? Um, <laughs> um. No. No, I would pass. Yeah, pass. I. I. Not my thing. Not my thing. I think he's premature in some way. We will not get into it. <laughs> uh, index Dunham. Um, 
I kind of like is the cut of a chip. I would say smash. Fair. I I don't know him enough. Like uh, we meet him very briefly. I I don't know. Pass. Just uh, yeah. he he stands up against you and two of the red guns. He loses, but he does stand up against. He does three uh, talented ACs. Iguazu and the other one. I forgot uh, the other one. Uh, Volta. Uh, Hermit? Volta. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that, that that's that's strength of character. No, it that is. is attractive. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Gun 6 Red. I don't remember Gun 6 Red. He's the voice why. that talks to you when you talk to Balaam. Um, he's a Michigan wannabe, so pass for me. Oh, okay. Well, I do like his little icon, the hermit crab yeah. with the soldier helmet. That's pretty amazing. Um, but pass, yeah. Uh, Nozak. Is that the guy that like shows up if you like go down a ventilation fence somewhere? Yes. Like, uh, uh, just uh, just uh, some context. Under Nozak's economic theory, the funds of others are b- but extensions of his own resources. Thus, he continues to <laughs> take on debt with no in- intention of repayment, as in his eyes, the money was his anyway. Um. Yeah, he's he's a bit wild. Uh, pass. Um, pass, but I would buy him a drink. <laughs> I do want to talk to this guy. <laughs> You'd have a lot of fun. Um, yeah. V6 Materlink. I pass. Pass, pass. He, he's not well. Uh, um, second creepiest coat of arms, if I like to, if I could call it. That. True. Um, uh, little Z. Um. I, she sounds too young, so I'm going to say yeah, pass for security pass. reasons. Uh, also, uh, her coat of arms is that of the House of Tully from uh, uh, oh, Game of Thrones. Totally. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Totally. So, yeah, it's the River Run coat of arms, I believe. But it's, um, yeah, so at least you can talk about fantasy instead or something. Uh, I don't know. Also, uh, I made a mistake with Materlink. I'd smash Materlink. She's interesting or nice, uh, although she's a very, very she? sp- creepy thingy. Um, Maelink is a guy, right? No, it's uh, her. It, it's she's the one who's left to die by snail. Is that Maelink? Yeah, I thought Maelink was the one that you had to do in a stealth. No, mission. that's Swimburn. That's V seven Swimburn. Oh right. The next one. Oh, oh. Um, I'm. St- I would still say Maelink pass. Fair. though. But yeah, uh, Swimburn. Then I thought that uh, Swimburn was Maelink. Maelink was Swimburn. Yeah. Um. Swinburne uh, pass. Yeah, pass. He, he, that one, uh, the creepiest. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, one that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Um, um, for for so. context, it is a very graphic representation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, gun free. Woo hua hai. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't know. Um, I tried. <laughs> I, I don't remember him. That He's well, the one with Materlink so. who has betrayed the Red Guns in favor of Arcus. Oh, yeah, pass. Ring Freddy. Yeah. Don't remember Ring Freddy either. The one in the wheelchair. Oh. <laughs> um, apparently, Freddy likes older men because uh, they are the paramour to uh, uh, Dolmayan. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dolmayan, Dolmayan. Um, I don't know if I can get into that. Um, <laughs> Dolman is just just an odd character to me. I'm sorry. Um, so, but 
a cool queer buddy at least so but yeah pass yeah. sorry let's just move on cool queer buddy but pass good call yeah. uh, v5 hawkins well, I, I he's the one that fights alongside um uh peter when you ambush them with flatwell oh well any person that plays second fiddle to peter pass <laughs> uh, cool coat of arms though hawkins is apparently quite nice uh but uh so potential smash but again probably a pass uh the big one gun five iguazu i already dated iguazu <laughs> i have access exactly like iguazu christ so i already have so um yeah i don't know if i should call him x but um no yeah iguazu no uh no pass pass i <laughs> i will gladly donate to his therapy fund oh naturally Wish him the best. <laughs> Rokumonson. Yeah, pass. Pass. I don't, I can't, zero tolerance for weeps, I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, gun 4, Volta. Uh, less obnoxious than, um, than Iguazu, but still not that interesting. He's apparently a nicer or... bloke, but a uh, pass. Yeah, I, I beat him too fast. You know, <laughs> it was too easy. <laughs> Not impressed. Okay. Oh no, he gave me a lot of trouble, both in the arena and in oh. the game, in the mission. Oh, yeah. Well, we had different builds. True. Um, V eight Peter. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm slightly tempted because he's such a weirdo. He is. He um, scares me a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I'm gonna say pass. Pass for time reasons as well. Uh, yeah. Sulla. Pass. Pass. Weird cool guy. emblem, though. Very yeah. cool emblem. <laughs> chatty stick. Uh, oh, we haven't even talked about chatty. Oh, we have filled. Okay, shit episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, uh, a pass, but I do like him a lot. I would like I to hang too. out with him. <laughs> he sounds great, but yeah, pass. Yeah. Middle flat, well. Um. I love fighting alongside him against like the Vespers. Yeah. Um, but uh, pass still, I would say. No, I, I like Flatwell, Smash. Um, <laughs> okay. V3, O'Keefe. Oh my god, my boy. My nihilistic despair abyss Beach, boy. Eat your ghoul. Um, he needs it. I would say Smash. I think he needs something good in his life. <laughs> Yeah, pass. <laughs> Naturally. Um, <laughs> oh. I like him, but he's... It's a, uh, no, no, I can't. Uh, Cinder Carla. Oh, <laughs> smash. Impressive. You can... Pass. She terrifies me, but she's amazing. Oh, no, I owe her one for busting me out of re-education camp. True. Uh, a woman that can do that? <laughs> Fucking sign me up, boy. That's... Uh, love it. Cold call. Cool call, but it's a cool coat of arms. Um, we like <laughs> the coolest name for an AC as well, Death Sled, which sounds like a knockoff horror movie. <laughs> when your AC sounds like a knockoff horror movie, I'm in. Um, I especially uh, um, I don't necessarily uh like his whole cut of his jib with the whole. I kill people and remove undesirable elements. So I'm going to say pass. 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 Yeah. We've been through Rusty. Uh, honest Brute. Oh, right. 
Um, pass. I, I, I can't get into drug addicts. Yeah, he, he's not well. <laughs> I pass. Uh, going to Nile. Oh. Uh, I love that he has a whale on his coat of arms, which I do love whales. One of my favorite animals. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I have a distinct memory of fighting him. Is it during uh, your interception of the red guns? It's a helicopter guiding mission. At the very uh, pass. end, yeah, pass. pass. He seems nice, but he apparently used to be a cop, and no. Uh, oh fuck that! V two snail. Pass. Pass. Uh, chartreuse. Can't fuck a whole company, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but V two with Balteas, I might reconsider. <laughs> Fair. Um, just, just kidding. Uh, chartreuse, chartreuse. Um, oh. Uh, they seem interesting, I will say. Yeah. Um, uh, a hacked fist, I believe. Yeah. So you like, you know, maybe smash. Yeah, I maybe know. smash. I, I, we don't see enough of chartreuse. We don't. Is what I'm saying. And we don't know enough about chartreuse either. Um, Thumb Dolmayan. Pass. Pass. Um, King, another of the hacktivist group, oh, which we couldn't talk about because again, it's too much this game. Um, yeah. Maybe smash. I'll say pass. Yeah, okay. G1 Michigan. But pass. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fandom really seems to uh, think he's very handsome because I've seen a lot of fan art. Um, they like Michigan. I will say pass because the only time he's complimentary about Iguazu, which a lot of people think, oh my God, it's so nice and so romantic that or like, it's so dramatic that he's he does care about Iguasu because he says like oh Iguasu is like worth an X amount of you. Um, he's only nice about Iguasu when he's like talking down to somebody else. Exactly. So that's it's not it's he's not nice to Iguasu. He doesn't care about Iguasu. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so, I think he cares, uh, but in the worst way possible. So probably pass. <laughs> he has a material asset, maybe. Oh, pass. Yeah, pass. Eh? But I do like the cut of his chin. <laughs> See, <laughs> true. Terrible person, but an entertaining terrible person. And finally, V1 Freud. Pass. Pass. Clearly pass. <laughs> oh, Hard we pass. we couldn't talk yeah. about it, but most, if not all, of the cat of the AC pilots are very not well and need therapy. Therapy. <laughs> yeah, um, I find it difficult because once again, there's a lot of very subpar uh, psychological analysis of video game characters out there, and I'm trying to be. When when I do that myself, I try to be responsible yeah. about it, or at least check in with like a psychology buddy of mine. So um, yeah, it's gonna gonna say that as a disclaimer. <laughs> Fair. Anyway, so yeah, and that's Armored Core Six, everyone. I took fifteen minutes. Fuck me. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's worth it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, everyone. And we we will see you guys soon. And if you can, uh, check us out on Patreon. Please do. It it'll. Your, your support will help us to make more writing and try to develop some of the bonus projects we've been trying to make happen for a while now. So please do consider, only if you can, but if you could spare us a, a bit of change, it'd mean the world to us. So yeah, check us out. Yeah. A special thank you to um, to the people who have interacted with us about both the uh, Dragon Age episode and the 
a very lovely person that came to us with a suggestion that we are going to do exactly. somewhere soon in the new year. So do keep it so, in mind, if you're a patron, you can pressure us into reading stuff. And uh, <laughs> You only have to mention it. You only have true. to mention um, it. And uh, I'm going to say this now. You can mention stuff that isn't good. We'll do it. Oh, yeah. We'll do it. Just... This one will be great, <laughs> but we'll do bad stuff. We've done it before. We'll do it yeah. again. All right. Take care, everybody.